0: Dear Lord, we thank you for this wonderful time that you have brought us together. We ask you now to open our minds, open our hearts, open our understanding, quicken our spirit to learn spiritual things, and help us, O God, to understand you, understand your purposes, at least those things that pertain to our lives. For Christ our Lord, amen. If you have your scripture, I would like to invite you to go into the first book of the Bible, which is what? Genesis. Well, that's if you are thinking about it chronologically. But one of the first books that was written in the New Testament was Thessalonians. But yeah, I said the Bible, so let's go to Genesis. Genesis, we're going to read in chapter 2. And we're going to continue from chapter 4 through chapter 8. Now, if you realize in the book of Genesis, which is the beginnings, in the first chapter, we have a narrative story on how God created everything that we see and some of the things that we don't see. He actually tells the story that He created men and women in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 26, that He created them uh, in His image and in His likeness. He created the man and female. In chapter 2, we have a second narrative of creation. We have a second story of creation, and it goes a little bit into more details on what exactly happened to that humanity, that first men and women that God created out of the soil of the earth. And let us read in chapter 2, verse 4. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on earth, for the Lord had not yet sent rain to water the earth. And there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord planted the Garden of Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. Now I'm going to read from First Thessalonians as Paul is writing to a church that is persecuted, to a church that is experiencing near death, to a church that is experiencing despise and prejudices, and yet he demands the same kind of love as in the first love. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 23. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because, they, because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. I got to read that myself again. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all other. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for God, for this is God's will for you, who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. Now, It's very interesting now. Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit and body and soul be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. This is the word of the Lord. It is fascinating that many of us go through life and we experience life not really knowing the purposes of God in our lives. God did not make humanity, whether it was Adam and Eve, which is in this second chapter, or whether it was humanity or humankind, which is described as in the first chapter. You know what? It doesn't really matter. What matters is that God created us. What matters is that God is a God who in his infinite wisdom decided to share God's love with creatures that he wanted to create similar to God. At Georgia Tech down here, a group of scientists decided that they were going to challenge God. And they said, we're going to create men. Ourselves. We don't need God. So they sent a message to God and said, Hey, we Georgia Tech people are going to join together with other universities and we're, go- we're going to create humanity. We're going to create a human being. We're going to make a human being. So God came from the heavens and He said, What's the name of the stadium in Georgia Tech? Sanford? No, what's the name of the stadium? Bobby? The- so Bobby Dot. So he sat at the Bobby Dot Stadium. Obviously, taking probably most of the of the of the pews there. He sits down, and the and the scientists began to go down to the field. And, but the Lord noticed something. They knelt down and they began to gather some of the soil that's in the field. And the Lord said, uh, uh, "Stop right there. You got to create your own soil too." <laughs> he didn't let him do that. <laughs> But God created us, but then God did something very, very unique. He decided to breathe in you and me. And the scriptures and God breathed into humanity, and that li- and that person, that thing, that blob of clay became a living person. But we know the story that the living person, I mean, the God quality life, they had the quality that God, of God, of life that God has. They had the essence of God, God's self within them. They had no issues with health. I don't even know if they counted their birthdays. Why? Think about it. They didn't have to count birthdays. They had the life of God, which was eternal. They enjoyed the freedom. They enjoyed what you and I have not enjoyed yet. And they were not satisfied So they did what they did, and what did they do? Uh, They basically broke the law and did their own thing. The story tells us that the woman took the fruit and and, and forced the man with a knife to eat it. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) He was not willing, no, did he resist? He didn't even ask, he took it. Both participants and the quality of life that was in humanity died, you see? Because what died in humanity was our spirit. Obviously, Adam and Eve didn't die because they still were talking to God, right, in the story. So what was it that they lost? They lost that capacity. They lost that nefesh. They lost that ruah that was breath in us from God. So humanity then lives only at soul and body level. We talk about a spirit, but nah, not really. We confuse the soul with the spirit, the spirit with the soul, and they're very different things. The book of Hebrew tells us that the word of God is like a sword that is what? Can discern, splits up, and discern the mind, discern the difference between the spirit and the soul. See, the soul is, the the, the spirit is that which God then revives in us when we use the language of being born. What is born again? My soul? No. What is born again? My body? No. Nicodemus got that answer. What is born again? The spirit. Then the spirit which God gave us at the beginning, now we regain, now we have again that relationship with God. Now the lines are cleared of communications. Now we have freedom because the blood of Christ has cleansed everything and has allowed us to restore that relationship with God. That is what those three words mean. We are redeemed because we were prisoners. So God has redeemed us, has purchased, paid the price for what? So that we can stay the same way in no way, shape or form so that we can begin to live the spiritual life. We are restored. What is restored? Amazingly, sometimes our bodies are restored. Kate, have you felt restored as you experienced this week of ministry? Part of it, yes. And about her body, but she feels restored. She walks out of here straight. She's energized with her ministry with kids. See, that's restoration. So not only in in God's intention for you and I is to have a spirit, so that that spirit be restored to what God intended it to be. We were actually created to be spiritual beings. Oh, no, I'm not talking about ghosts. You can't take away the body because God created the flesh, and he called it good. So that, so what's reborn? What's reborn is the spirit of God in us. It's your spirit. How many of you read scripture uh, very commonly? How many of you have? None of you do. What are you doing here? How many of you have, 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 have uh, read chapter 8 of Romans. Let me read you a little bit about that, because I think Paul encapsulates that whole struggle between the, the, the understanding between the, let me go back to that other slide, between the soul and the, and the spirit. And he's going to define here what's one and what's the other. And he says, so we mostly live ruled by the soul and body. We are fallen, says Scripture. There is no one that wants to know God. Then Paul, in Romans 8, 5, says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Let me say this differently. Those who are dominated by a negative nature think always about negative stuff. Those who are always thinking of fear will always be thinking of fearful stuff. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit Think about the things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. For the sin, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Now, the idea is not to kill the soul in no way, shape, or form. But the idea is that through the spirit, your soul and my soul will become sanctified. Holy, which means we'll adopt the character of Jesus. Then our personality will begin to change and we will be more like Jesus. Instead of holding off to anger and fear, we hold on to peace and hope. How about that? See the change? So it's not killing the soul, but it's bringing God's consciousness into our soul. When the the word says, deny yourself, it's not saying, it's not what it's saying, to demise yourself. It's denying that fleshly, that carnal, that's the language that some people use, that non-healthy tendencies in our lives. Deny that. Accept this. It's in us. Because as many have been given salvation, you have the Spirit of God in you. Let's move on. That's the purpose. So in church, what do we do in church? We come to grow spiritually. We come to mature spiritually. We come here so that when we go out those doors, we do not behave the same way that we did yesterday. Or overnight, who knows. Or just this morning before we walked in. Because we would like for our life to be ruled by the spirit of God. And we would like for our feelings, our finances, our relationships, our entire life to be ruled by the kingdom of God, which is always good, positive, and healthy. Is that right? Remember those words from camp? We do everything that is good, that is positive, and that is healthy. Do you get it? I didn't go crazy today. I'm not sweating as much because I wanted to teach this very clearly. And if you have any questions, please, please call me. Let's have this wonderful conversation around the word of God. Because the following Sundays, we will be talking about why do I have to be kind? Why do I have to be patient? Yeah. Why do you raise your hand when I'm preaching? Why? (laughs) <laughs> he thinks we're in class. <laughs> See? But but that is precisely why do we behave in the spiritual manner. Let us pray. Dear God, we ask you to help us to grow spiritually. We ask you to help us mature in the person of Christ. We ask you to form Jesus in us, as that is the purpose of the whole stuff of church, the whole stuff of the Bible, the whole things about Christ. Everything we do is that the character of Jesus will be formed, shaped, mold in our lives so that others will see Jesus in us and not me, because they will run away from me. But they will never run away from you. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Now let us worship you and continue to love you more and more. Amen.